Welcome back to the Nordic Components Talking Lead Podcast, episode, I believe this is 181. And uh, today we're going to have a special guest with us. We're going to have one of my more frequent guest hosts, Specter oh <laughs> from the VSO Gun Channel, also known as Curtis these days. Welcome in, buddy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on here, man. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, you and I have been hanging out quite a bit the last couple of weeks. We have, and uh, and we got uh, more hanging out to do in the upcoming weeks. Um, yeah, I know we're gonna we get some big ones coming. So, <laughs> as I as I told you, leadheads from last episode, I went down to Florida this weekend for an event that CAA and Hartman was uh, hosting at this awesome place that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but first, I want to go ahead and thank our guest from last week, Nick Atkinson with the Cobalt Kinetic Shooting Team. We announced that he is going to be starting a new, actually he's already started his new YouTube channel called Beastmaster, and uh, they're specializing in the night hunting. And he had his buddies Rich and Zane on uh, with him there, so we greatly appreciate those guys coming on and looking forward to that hunt that we're going to be doing with them in February. And uh, also the book, We the People, we had the author Ben Philippi, on with us and uh, big thanks to Ben for allowing me to take part in that project and being a part of his book. If you guys haven't gone to amazon.com yet to get your copy of that, you need to go quick because there's a limited number of those. Uh, I think at the time last week there was uh, like 200 or so, so I'm sure there's a lot less than that now. So Spectre, my buddy, we, we had a blast this past week. We were both down there in Florida at uh, what was the name of that church? Altair, right? Yep, Altair. Altair. I didn't know if you say Altair or Altair. Well, I just I smashed it all together. Smash I'm a northerner, all. you know. It, it doesn't so. mean something. She, they were telling us the meaning of that uh, of that phrase. Yeah, it's it's like a constellation or a or a Greek god or something like that. I don't something to do I'm, with the stars or something. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what it was. Yeah. It's, but yeah. um, what they did is they took a prison down there. It's in the Naples area. It's like a third. Was it twelve twelve hundred acres? Twelve hundred acres. Twelve hundred acres of prison land and facilities, and they turned it into one of the most badass training centers that uh, you can imagine. They've got a two thousand yard range. Um, they've got, and we just saw a portion of it while we were there. We didn't even get to see the the bulk of it. Uh, the range that we were at had a shoot house, uh, and then had what was the distance on the range we were at? Uh, I think it was fifty meters. Was it fifty meters? Yeah, something like that. And um, that was pretty much the extent. We were there. We were at the the bunkhouse. They call them the bunkhouses, but these are like freaking nice ass condos that you'd get down in Florida somewhere. I mean, they had hardwood, granite, uh, stocked refrigerators. The they really did it up. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty nice. I, I would say that as far as like places that I have stayed on the road, just on the road period, not even like industry events or anything like that, it was probably one of the nicest places I'd stayed in. And I mean, I was expecting to kind of come in, you know, I've gone to different training classes before. I, I was kind of expecting a barracks, you know, is kind of where I thought we were going to be stuck. But what they actually their mission statement is actually, you know, they bring these guys in for training all these uh, military organizations and they're 
they usually stay at barracks and, uh, you know, these guys are away from home so much that they wanted to, uh, create a semblance of home for these guys while they're there training that they don't normally get throughout the year. And I would say that I felt right at home. Uh, the bed <laughs> I, I slept did. on is nicer than the one that I sleep on now. Yeah, so. I was about ready to say, I, I didn't want to come home, you know. It was it was that <laughs> nice there. So I think they might be overdoing it a little bit. Um, they're not going to be able to get rid of the guys once they get them there. <laughs> yeah, I could I could agree with that. <laughs> and then they had the, uh, the mess hall area, which uh, was probably, what, three miles from where we were staying. So we had to shuttle to it. Um, each day so let's just let's just kind of go through what our, our day consisted of real quick um, and we're going to have another show to where we're going to actually going to have Mikey on and we're going to have some of the other uh, riders and people that participated in the training uh, on the show with us but uh, we're kind of going to do a little pre uh, warm-up to that with this show but so what we did was each day we started out I guess we ought to talk about what the purpose of it was first right yeah, that, that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, so CAA uh, had their micro roni there, and that was there. Basically, I mean, they're setting up these training scenarios for us to uh, get hands-on with the, the CAA roni and the Hartman MH1 Optic, which you've seen our videos that we've done on those on YouTube, and uh, you've heard Mikey on the show before talking about them. So this was uh, my actual first time to get hands-on with with both of those those products, um, Curtis, you may have had some prior experience with those, I'm sure. Um, yes, I I've had some some opportunities to shoot the uh, both the Hartman Optic, the MH1, and the Micro Roni uh, before the event, so I was fairly familiar with them. Uh, but now that I've gone through three dedicated days of, I mean, we either had a Microroni or an M4 in our hand for everything. So like it was very, very heavy on the, uh, on the Microroni side of things. And, uh, I'm intimately familiar with the, uh, weapon system at this point in time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that's the, that was the main purpose of this, this course. Uh, not only that, but they wanted to teach us how, uh, the Israeli military trains. So they had, you know, Mikey, obviously former lieutenant colonel of the IDF brought in some other, um, these, some of them are still active though, right? Some of these guys were still active in the IDF. Yeah. So he brought in, was it four instructors? One, uh, yeah, two, three, a total four. of four plus himself, I do believe. Plus himself. One, uh, one was not, uh, IDF. He was a military, um, U.S. military guy. Uh, I believe he was former Green Beret. Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Aaron was, uh, I, I, I was trying to record a whole bunch of data at that time, and I and I uh, missed exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, ex missed exactly what it was. I feel kind of bad, but you know, I was sure pretty was. busy trying to capture everything. Yeah, uh, it was a lot. But I mean, we started from six in the morning, and we went till like nine or ten in the evening. Uh, yeah, it was day shoots. It was night shoot, uh, and then they pretty much just dump us off at our our condos there. And we would uh, pretty much veg, but it was nonstop from morning till night. Uh, so it wasn't a whole lot of time to sit down and, and get a lot of, of media type stuff. So I didn't do, I did do a little bit recording when we had um, classroom. And we did that the first day, the half of the day. 
And that's pretty much all the classroom time that we had. The rest was, was all range time the next two and a half days. Uh, agreed. And we're going to talk about this in the, in the episode coming up. We'll get into details about what all we did and, and things like that. But, um, just wanted to, to give you guys a high level of kind of what, uh, we were involved with this week. Did you have anything else you want to plug in there about the experience? No, man. I think that that pretty much squares it away. I'm sure that we'll get into more depth, you know, on the, oh, as yeah. we, as we go along. That's so, for sure. So real quick, the other, uh, people that attended, and I'm sure that you guys are familiar with these because they're some of the, the big hitters in our industry as far as media goes. Uh, Michael Bain was there from Downrange TV. Jonathan Gibbon of Arms List. Uh, and speaking of armslist.com, you guys can go there and they have posted a link to one of our shows, our last week's episode on uh, Arms List. So you can start looking on Arms List for links to our show as well. I know a lot of you leadheads are members of Arms List, as I am. Todd Bergering, Andre Dalou. Is that how you say Andre? I always mess up his last name. I always screw up his last name it's, too. I should I should ask him next time I see him what I believe it's Dalou. Uh David Fortier, of course. We know how to say his name. Curtis yeah. uh was there. VSO. Um this Craig guy, did he show up? Was there a Craig? I don't remember a Craig. No, there, the Craig running. the Craig guy did not show up. Okay. And they uh, don't even have his last and name I, on here. And uh Tim Yan and I took the liberty of splitting his gear. Um, since he decided not to show up. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, I would have done the same thing. Kevin Landers with Gear and Gun Reviews. The Was he the fluffy gun guy? Is that what he goes by? Yeah, that's what he calls himself. Uh, <laughs> I He was my partner for most of the most of the exercises. John uh, uh, Peterson. Uh, he, he writes for all kinds of different magazines. Um, you want to talk about a dude with a resume. Soldier all you have to do is look at... Yeah. Look at his Facebook page, and he, I, I think he's like worked everywhere. And I mean, it's like it's amazing, like how much experience that dude has. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's got tons. Plus, he's former military as well, so he knows what he's talking about. Jim Grant, he's another good writer. Kevin Reichard, Kevin Reichard, uh, aka the Tack Daddy, as you guys will know him by. Larry Zanoff, very interesting dude there. Um, Larry works in the film and movie and TV industry and his company provides the weapons that you see in these big blockbuster movies and TV series like the walking dead and the Avengers movies that you've seen, uh, Westworld, the big Westworld TV show that they just released. Um, I mean, Pretty much in any of the movies that you see, the big blockbuster movies, they're providing the firearms uh, for those movies. So he was a really interesting dude to talk to. I really enjoyed meeting him. He was uh, one of my, what do you call it, people who stayed in the same room. Um, Roomie. Yeah, one of my roomies, quad mates, whatever. Tom Raider was there, and Timothy Yon. There was 14 of us in all. Two, two guys didn't show up. Uh, another one that I didn't mention that was supposed to have been there was Masad Ayub. Is that how you say his last name? Yep. I'm terrible with people's last names. But he had some sort of, I don't know, he wasn't feeling good or something like that, so he wasn't able to make it. And his stuff didn't get split up, dadgummit. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed Robert had it in the uh, in the Jeep there, the van, whoever 
he was supposed to have roomed with. Uh, they didn't take liberties. They should have. Idiots. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't very smart. No. Because that was some good uh, swag that we got there, man. I hate to yeah. rub it in, but... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I uh, I made sure that I got a spare one of those bags. If one of my people doesn't take it, I might give it away or something like that to a, to a viewer. There you go. That's awesome. Maybe man. maybe somebody on our Patreon will 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 end up get it getting yeah. it. Who knows? But it's, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's not going to go through because uh, I'm sure that as soon as uh, oh yeah, one of your dudes will take that in a heartbeat, man. That's a nice Vertex bag. I don't know what the what model it is, but it's like a little hip bag. Uh, it's really nice. Yeah, I really really like that thing. And then Vertex also hooked us up with some pants. Pair of pants, a shirt, nice polo shirt, and yeah, uh, the Vertex stuff was uh, was actually kind of kind of difficult. Um, I've used Vertex stuff in the past, and I really like that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're buying their pants, they run narrow. Yes, right. Yes, they do. They just run narrow. Like I'm talking like a full size narrow kind of thing. And I'm not. I I don't know. Maybe it's because of my build. Mine were very tight in the leg. Well, so, you've got freaking tree trunks for legs, so you're you're a little abnormal. <laughs> I suppose, but but like, no, mine was, were tight too around that area. So I think you know probably a maybe a thirty three would have been a little better. I would normally wear a thirty two, so I think a thirty three well, would have probably been the way. Well, let me put it in perspective. I usually wear a thirty six, and I had them get me a thirty eight. Because I, I was gaming the vertex pant being narrow, yeah, and it still was tight on the leg. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, so um, the rest of the the pant felt fine, or you know, was fine. Like yeah. it was fine around the waist and everything. It just right well, around my thigh is was just super tight. And so. that's this cut of pant. Did you see the ones that Tack Daddy had? He had like the air pants on. Now that poor kid. <laughs> I, I thought I call him a kid. He's twice my age. He had these things on that had vents, and they look like a really good idea on the surface. Yeah. But man, the night shoots with all those mosquitoes. Man, I could just. Ugh. I don't think those mosquitoes I, could get through there, though, could they? Oh yeah. <laughs> he he said that's where he has all his bug bites. Oh really? He would, okay. Yeah, he would forget to apply his mosquito repellent. There. I mean, how do you do that? You'd have to take your pants off and spray down and put them back on. Do you spray right? your pants? Just spray your pants. Huh? Just spray your pants. I guess, but like you you've used a stencil and spray paint before. Like that doesn't really work all that well. Right. You know? I mean I don't know. That's how I was just spraying myself with the bug sprays. I was just putting it all over my clothes and everything. I was mosquitoes my- were bad down there. They were bad. <laughs> yeah, I took my. I would take my hat off and like drench my hair in it. You got to be careful with that deep wood stuff though, because it'll it'll sting your lips real bad. I had like numb lips. I know how, now. I know how Botox women who get Botox feel. I had <laughs> walking around with duck lips the whole time. <laughs> so, uh, needless to say, they hooked us up with some really nice swag. There was some other stuff too. Um, I can't remember. There was like a book, a really nice leather bound notebook um, from CAA pen patches oh sh- air pro i mean they hooked us up with some electronic air pro too mm-hmm. um yep again this was um a-, a course to where we actually were getting something knowledge from them. they weren't just there to wine and dine us uh, they actually worked our asses and they put us through 
legitimate IDF courses, courses that they train their people in. And uh, I mean, it's the basic stuff, but you know, still from like I said, sun up till sundown, we were in passing, and we were there working, shooting, training. And my favorite, you know, bar none, which I'm sure mo- it's going to be most people's, was the shoot house. I would have liked to seen more shoot house. Yes. Um. Then we then we got we only got about two hours of kill house, which you know that is an hour not- of it was instruction. Yeah. And about yeah. an hour so- of shoot. That that's definitely something I would have liked to have seen more of from the class, but you know, especially because my instructor uh, that I was paired with the whole time was the one of the guys running the uh, running the kill house and the instruction, and the dude was like super intense. Was it Garrett? Yeah. What was that? Was Garrett your instructor? Yeah, Garrett was my instructor. Yeah, Garrett was so, super high speed, man. He, uh, you could definitely tell that he was one of their elite force guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could, uh, all you had to do was just at a five minutes with the dude in the shoot house, and you're just like, yeah, yep, that dude, that dude knows his stuff. Yeah, I need to listen that, to him. <laughs> yeah, that that guy, uh, yeah, you can tell that, like, his idea of, sh- of fun is shooting Palestinians. Like, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just... some people like to play Xbox, some people go fishing. Yeah. Garrett shoots Palestinians in the face. <laughs> and he, he does it with pride and skill. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, I would, I'd like to just do a whole, I mean, the whole time if they wanted to do it in the shoot house while we were there, I would have been fine with that. I did yeah. want to do some long range precision shooting. I think that would have been, that's like the, the next piece they need to add to this course, in my opinion. That 2,000-yard yeah, range that, that they've neat. got there, that, they need to put that to use. Yeah, I mean, especially because we got to go through some of the doctrine. We can't talk about, like, some of the stuff that we talked about because some of it is kind of like on a on a more of, a, of an official level. But the things that, uh, that the practices that they put in place, I think would be really cool to see in use uh, at like, you know, Altair had a two mile range, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I know that's way outside the effective range of the weapons that we were using, but, uh, yeah, but I want to see them bring see. in, I want to see them bring in weapons for the next course for that. It's like, that's the next. So they, they taught us the infantry, basically, you know, the benf- infantry and the close quarter combat stuff, you know, next show us how you do the, the precision long range shooting. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I did pick up, you know, I didn't. I didn't agree with, not that I didn't agree with, it just didn't agree with me maybe, some of the the styles of shooting that they do. Um, but I, there are a couple that I'm going to start adopting. I'm going to adopt and start using. Uh, yeah, 100%. Some of the stuff that they that that they taught, uh, I would, con- I mean, I would echo what you were saying. Uh, that, yeah. you know, several, uh, most of what they taught was very different from you know, what we use here in America. And I started off the course by saying that. So, you know, whenever I go to a training course, I try my hardest to leave my previous knowledge at the door. And I kind of act almost like an infant uh, at a training course. Like I need to be babied and treated like a, like I don't know anything. That's the best way to approach it. Um, And I take instruction literally from, 
you know, the instructors. So if they tell me to do it a certain way, I I do my best. I had a little bit of trouble with the with the malfunction clearances and stuff like that because I've drilled that so hard yeah. into my uh, into my like reptile brain per se. It was very very difficult for me to leave that behind, and I would almost call that a failure on my part. Uh, <laughs> uh, a failure to comply with the uh, with the the IDF way with the IDF way, yeah. Um, but back to the positions. Uh, their prone position is far superior to our prone position. Yeah, I agree. And so, and so is their sitting position. Yeah, I agree. it's a lot more stable. Yeah. In fact, we were out filming today, and I used the sitting position today on the range. We had to we had nice. to make some like two hundred yard hits uh, on some tiny steel yeah. targets, and uh, I was able to teach high speed. How to how to do it? One of my guys how to do it in like like thirty seconds, you know. And he is like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to use this from now on." <laughs> it's real. It's real simple to learn, you know. It's just getting down and and practicing it. Um. So real quick, explain to our listeners that the uh, sitting position. Um. So the sitting position. Uh, I'll start with the with the American and how then it deviates. So typically, whenever we do it here. We square our shoulders up to our, our target and then sit down. And then we kind of sit there with our, you know, almost like our feet kind of like folded up. And then, you know, you're, you're somewhat unsupported and your, your elbows are kind of like on top of your legs. So the Israeli position, um, your legs are spread a little bit farther and they're a little bit farther in front of you. Uh, but your, your, off foot so if you're shooting right-handed your left foot is like right in line with the target and your elbows go on the inside of your of your legs and your legs can then provide pressure in and your elbows pressure out and you're sitting at a 45 yes to the target yeah so yeah i didn't say that very well so yeah yeah you're at a 45 to the target and your front leg or your, your left leg, if you're shooting right handed would be in line with the target and the rifle. There you go. And, um, and then you go with your five points of contact, right? You know, your, your shoulder, your cheek, your hand, your right hand, your, uh, your left wrist or forearm is in contact with the magazine. And then your left hand is, uh, on the forend. So you lock that thing down and it's, uh, it's really stable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Now, did you go, you went with the side, the elbow to the side of the knee. You didn't put the magazine into the knee like some people were doing. Um, some people into were doing forearm, that. Is the, I, into the forearm, wasn't it? That what it was magazine into the forearm. Yeah. Magazine in the forearm. Yeah. yeah. Some people were doing it that other way. Um, it's hurt. That's too, I tried it that way. And I was like, no, nah, that's not for me. I found I, I actually never even tried it that way because like I sat down and got into the initial position mm-hmm. that I described and it was so comfortable. Yeah. That I was like I was like, yeah, there's no way that, that anything could be more comfortable than this. So I basically just ran on that the rest of the time. So uh, the prone is the one that uh, I think really is a game changer for me as far as my you know the precision shooting's gonna go. 
and it's very similar to what we're talking about with the sitting position. And you guys have seen the video that I did with the Zeus system that uh, Mikey developed. Well, he actually had, I guess he had seven of those there for each group. We got to use the Zeus training, what is it, precision shooting mat, I think is what he calls yeah. it. Zeus stands for zero under 80 seconds. Right, zero under 80 seconds. So it's designed to teach a soldier the uh, Israeli shooting position in prone. And it's at a 45, so your gun is pointed at the target, then your body is at a 45 off of, of your rifle, off of your weapon. So you're laying down prone on your belly your feet are spread as far apart as you can get them and there's there's a line of the legs just like you were talking about your left leg and your right leg line up so i mean literally if you look at everything that they taught us it's either based off of a 45 degree angle or a 90 degree angle right so your body's that, 45 to the target uh your left legs 90 degrees to the gun and then your right legs parallel with the gun yeah. That's how they do it. And then your feet are flat on the ankles, pointing out. And then if you can't do if you can't do one of those, I think it was your weak leg that you could um, could let uh, bend it or whatever you needed to do. Uh, but then you had your contacts with the the firearm itself, and there were so there are five points of contact with the weapon. Is one the stock to the shoulder? So just like we normally do, your stock's into your shoulder. Your cheek on the stock. Now, that's something that I, I never really paid attention to. Is I kind of would, I would have a higher, I guess, cheek stance on the butt stock than what they were telling us to do. The way they tell you to do it, you actually get some meat down on that butt stock to where it's hanging over. You know, your cheek's hanging over the butt stock. So it's, I mean, it's really, it relaxes your neck is what that does. Takes a lot of stress off your neck and your back by doing that, and that was something that I really liked. So I'm going to start using that definitely. And then the pistol grip in your strong hand, so down you pop it into the meat between your uh, pointer finger and your thumb, and then your weak hand forearm is against the magazine. And what they mean by that is to to be able to do that is you're basically locking that in, you're twisting it in by rotating your wrist with your forefingers above your thumb on the forend until it touches that magazine. And with that buttstock on your shoulder, your cheek down like that, that just locks the weapon in place, and it's virtually impossible for it to be moving left or right at that point. Yeah, I mean, and then they went into, I mean, he spent an hour talking about the various directions that the, uh, that the forces come from, from different parts of the body and how that all integrates into locking the weapon system into, into place and making it very, very stable. And it was a very, very high level look at that position. In fact, we spent an entire day on the prone position alone. Yeah. Yeah. The first day, that's all we did was prone shooting. We shot the AR, we shot the, uh, uh SBR Micaroni. And then we shot the macro stab, as I call it, <laughs> which is the macaroni with the stabilizing brace on it. Yeah. And you guys, we're, we're calling it the macaroni because the way um, it's, it's the micro-roni. But I think the they way actually that call Mikey, it Ronnie, I think, is how they actually call it. It's the Ronnie. 
The, yeah, we call it micro Ronnie. Ronnie. Yeah. The the way that Mikey's uh, the way that Mikey speaks, he calls it, it. It's a dialect thing, but he calls it the macaroni. You well, know, he it, actually he actually got that from me at Shot Show. We came up with that name at Shot Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was calling it the macaroni, and he kept uh, no, it's it's macro Ronnie Marty, macro Ronnie. Get with me. <laughs> Get with me now. Listen to me. This yeah. is how you say it. This is how we say it in Israel. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Mikey, it's, I'm kidding. Macaroni, you know, the pasta, macaroni, roni. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's amazing because, you know, we met Mikey like right around the same time. Like you had just finished interviewing him and I had like a few hours earlier come from his booth to go hang out with you in the shop show. A uh, little area that you that you have every year, and I was like, "Hey, have you seen the you know the such and such site and the and the new iteration of the Roni?" And you're like, "Dude, I just talked to that guy, you know." Yeah, he was and just it, here. and it's funny, yeah, it's funny because that happened, and then I had just finished telling CJ from uh, Big Three that he needed to go over there and talk to Mikey, and then like the next day, him and Mikey show up to be interviewed again. Together on at, talking lid, <laughs> on talking lid. While I'm sitting in there, you know, yeah. so <laughs> it was good stuff. Very, Magic very good happens stuff. happens in the talking lid secret squirrel room at Shot Show. Nothing but good stuff. But that's how I mean. That's how he got uh, to the Big Three East. Yeah, that's how CAA got invited to it. Was from yeah. that meeting. I would like to say that I also so, walked Marty up Curtis, to. I was going to say, Curtis uh, facilitated um, basically that uh, that connection. So he hooked me up with CJ, uh, and then CJ obviously was on the show, and then I was like, hey, you guys need to meet. So we arranged that. So thank you, Curtis, for doing that. Uh, I'm not going to take full credit on, on any of that sort of stuff. However, Oh, you did I hook me do, up with CJ, I, though, man, and I do. That was a solid. I appreciate you doing that. So does that mean I get a chunk of your award from Big Three? Do I get like a like if you break it, like if it falls off, do I get a shard of it? No, you don't get that. Now, <laughs> because you didn't help me do do any of the interviews, but <laughs> 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 I will, however, cut you in on uh, part of the award that I received at the uh, CAA training facility. By that, I mean uh, there's a shot of whiskey or two or five waiting for you. <laughs> oh, cool. Very did you cool. see what? Did you see that book? So it was basically, it was like one of those fake books, and then you open it up, and it's got a lock and key, and you open that up, and there's a flask with shot glasses in it. <laughs> and it's the, th- uh, the Three Musketeers is the faux book that it looks It's like a leather-bound Three Musketeers book. It was pretty cool. So Mikey, Mikey gave me one of those... Um, one of those lockable books. Mine was the Torah, right? Sweet. But it didn't have anything in it <laughs> except for the key. So except the key. <laughs> so you got the you got the you know you got the upgrade. I, like, the I upgrade. was like, oh man. I was you a know? little disappointed because it didn't have anything in the flask. But oh well. Well, it wouldn't have had anything in the flask for long anyway. That's right. It would have been down before we got on the bus to go back to the airport. That would have been a nice little thing to have for the ride back to the airport because it's like a almost two hour drive back to the airport. Yeah, I told people, you know, we we flew into Naples and then uh, they were, or we flew into Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, 
they're like, well, how was Fort Lauderdale? I was like, oh, actually, we were in Naples. And they're like, wow, we really like Naples. And I was like, we weren't in Naples. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were, we were, we were in a swamp. Off the, yeah, we were off the beaten path. We were in a That's swamp somewhere, and they said there were something like what sixty gators on that property. Yeah, something like that. Sixty gators. There, there are bears on the property. I mean, all kinds of things that can kill you, snakes. Uh, so, I mean, you got that going on with it too. I can see why, uh, that's a great place for a prison. It's going to make well, the, the prisoners think twice about wanting to escape. Well, let me put it this way. The first night we were there, we got a safety brief from the, from the people that run the place. And, uh, you know, they were like, well, you're going to, you know, you guys are going to get your basic safety brief when you, and, you know, and your extended safety brief for the event and everything when you're there. But we just want to let you guys know ahead of time that these are the things that can kill you here. Please don't <laughs> mess with them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So now, if you yeah. leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. <laughs> like, no worries there, dudes. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't want to inadvertently, you know, go where they're supposed to be. So let me know where they're at so I can stay the hell away. Well, you know, I, I there were a few times where I was not paying attention first thing in the morning and I walked through the uh through the grass Ooh. to go and I was like, uh yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that, right? Like I turned my light on like I, I would take like two or three steps in the grass and I would stop and turn on my light. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably best. <laughs> and I was I was even hesitant about going to the laundry room because it, it was uh, detached from the the condos, but it was like a carport area and it was just over there in the next, you know, the next little building over there. But it was toward the back of the building where all the big tall grass was. So on my way, I mean, I was very alert and aware had my flashlight flashing it everywhere and i would run across <laughs> and slam the door behind me and i'd run back into the condo wow <laughs> that's 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 next level right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it needed to be taken to quite that extreme i don't know if you know but, this uh, about me but i i am deathly afraid of, of snakes i don't like snake. gators you know i'm not really afraid of them but snakes i just something about knowing that there's snakes around just gives me the weebie-jeebies Nordic Components is an American-owned manufacturing company proud to produce quality products right here in the USA. As a company, we continually invest in our manufacturing capabilities to ensure that all of our products are the highest quality and most efficiently produced parts available. The Nordic Components business consists of two segments, manufacturing and sales. Our manufacturing business works to provide custom machine components for a variety of applications with our specialty being firearm components. The sales business produces lines of branded firearm accessories to enhance and elevate the shooting experience. We are a company owned and operated by individuals devoted to shooting sports, and many of us shoot competitively. We attend and sponsor a number of events around the country each year where we listen to you, the consumer, and are proud to say that all of our firearm components are a direct result of your input. As a firearms accessory provider, our aim is simple. Provide shooting enthusiasts with innovative products of uncompromising performance and reliability. Nordic Components. Check us out at nordiccomp.com. All right, so you're going to get more about our experience from the Altair training facility during the CAA Hartman Train the Trainer the IDF way. I think that's their official name for it. So in the meantime, you guys can go check out all the social media posts that everybody's doing and has been doing. Uh, if you'll hashtag, probably uh, hashtag search 
uh, train the trainer the IDF way or the IDF way or train the trainer, uh, CAA, Hartman Optic, things like that, then the the post will pop up. And there's some really good posts that people have been putting up. So um, go check those out. And uh, you've got one you're getting ready to drop too, right? Yeah, I'm working on it now. It's going to be a uh, kind of an overview of the uh, the Microroni. Uh, since we were got to use it so much, I, uh, I actually am pretty much in love with the thing, which is not something that I uh, I do very often. I, I really like the thing. It, it's um, it is a shame that you have to SBR a pistol to use the thing. Uh, however. I see that happening in the future. Right. Um, I, I may or may not wait until they have one that's compatible with a, uh, with a suppressor. So, um, because that would make it even more next level. I mean, the thing is super light and for the, I'm a very size and weight constraints minded individual. Yeah. Uh, for the amount of weight increase that you get on the thing, which is almost nothing, right? Uh, the capabilities that you get are, are are pretty amazing. So, but it balances uh, the way that they've got it designed, and you put it in there, and it's it's very well balanced. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is well balanced. I wouldn't wait if I were uh, you because once you SBR it, it's just SBR, and you can take it out of different casings, put it yeah. in different different uh, CAA casings. So. Well, you know, and there are other accessories out there for the Glock that you can that you can attach to the Glock, you know, if you do choose to SBR it. So, right. you know, I mean, there are other shoulder stock adapters and stuff like that. So you're not just limited to the CAA Roni uh, when you when you when you do it. Right, um, right, right. There, yeah, there's some other options, um, and each one has a, a you know, different pro con to it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, speaking of SBRing. This would be a, uh, a great time to hear from one of our sponsors, uh, and then we're going to get into a fact fight to myth. Now, it's time for the Talking Lead Fact to Fight the Myths. All right, so uh, as we were talking previous um, about the macaroni, the macaroni, and um, if you choose to get the one that's not the stabilizer, uh, then you're going to need to SBR your pistol that you put it in. And they've got it for different platforms. Right now it's uh, pretty much most of the Glocks. Uh, I think they've got the Glock 21 on the way. Uh, and then they're looking into doing uh, Smith and Wesson. I don't think it's out yet either, is it? Um, I believe they have one model for the Smith uh, available. I know that they have a Sig variant that is that is that is uh, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, what what I really want is the uh, is the did you say the ten millimeter Glock, the, the long 21. slide ten millimeter yeah, Glock twenty one? Yeah, is that the designation of that? See, I don't know. You know, I'm supposed to know that sort of stuff. I lost track of the the Glock models a long time ago. Maybe that's no, that's the 45. 21 is the 45. So the 10, I can't remember which one the 10 is, but like you said, they do have a model that's coming for that. 
Yeah, I'm wanting the. I want one that has the long slide ten mil. That is cool for the long slide 10, mil, 10 millimeter, which I believe is the same one that the Glock twenty one fits in. So I okay. believe it's built on the Glock twenty one frame. So there you go. Maybe so, the twenty one is the ten. Also. Yeah. So I'm gonna. We we should confirm that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what they said. We'll confirm so, that uh, next week's show with Mike. Yeah. I mean. I could see, especially if they have one that's compatible with a suppressor, you know, shooting some, some Freedom Hush 40, you know, or some Freedom Hush uh, 10 millimeter out of that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be where it's at. <laughs> Plus, you get the long slide on the Glock. I mean, of course, we know the longer the barrel, the more accurate um, your shots are going to be because you're getting more velocity out of it. So adding that's that true. with the... Um, the adapter, the macaroni adapter, then uh, going to get some good accuracy out of that. Yeah, that's for sure. Accuracy. So yeah. you you recently got a, a post on your is it your Facebook page. Yeah. So concerning SBR. And yeah. Uh, so ATF. Yeah. So what happened was, um, I posted a photo of the of our Micaroni that we were using. We named it Team Ramrod while we were there, so it didn't get mixed up with anybody else's. Um, but um, I posted it on our Facebook page, and somebody was, their their comment was, they were hesitant to buy one, they really wanted one, but they didn't want to SBR their Glock because it was their favorite handgun. And I asked them to kind of uh, flesh out what that meant, Um you know, what his concerns with SBRing a Glock were. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to, for, for everybody to understand what that means is um, when you are making a firearm, uh, you have to fill out a Form 1 with the ATF. So what that is is it registers the firearm with them as an SBR. You pay your $200 tax, and then when that is... Uh, when that's approved and it goes through, you then um, you then have the ability to put any accessories on it that would be strictly re- related to it being yeah, a rifle, SBR, like right. yeah. like the uh, the microroni. So uh, there were two things that that went into that. Uh, one, uh, you know, an SBR cannot be transported across state lines without the uh, proper forms being filled out uh, with the ATF. There's a form that you fill out, you know, once a year that you, you know, says where you're going to take it and when across state lines, uh, you know, turnaround times relatively quick on those, on those particular forms. It's not really that big of a deal, but you have to know in advance that you're going to go somewhere. Uh, you know, this is a pain in the butt. The other question was on, uh, can you can you concealed carry your Glock after you uh, for, turn in a Form One on it? And, because it's no uh, longer a pistol; it's a rifle at that point. Yeah, it's a, it's now a rifle. So the question would basically be: Does taking it out of the Microroni r- back convert it to a pistol? And after doing a little bit of research uh, and talking to some people, um, you know, that are very knowledgeable on the topic, we kind of came to a consensus. That no, uh, well, actually, it's an ambiguous answer. So it de- would depend on your state law at that point in time. So 
once you convert a pistol to a short barrel rifle, it remains a short barrel rifle. Period. End of story. So uh, that means that if you live in a state where you have a concealed handgun license, a CHL, then you are more than most likely not capable of carrying that firearm anymore as a concealed weapon. There are lots of different types of uh, permits that allow you to uh, carry a concealed weapon. Um, CCW, uh, dangerous weapon permits, and all that sort of stuff. There are there are at least five or six different permutations of this throughout the state. Yeah, or and throughout every state's the state's got a definition for what that means. So check with your local laws. Yeah, so you would have to. It would be subject to your individual state's laws and whether you would be able to carry a short barreled rifle as a concealed weapon. I know here in Ohio, we have a concealed handgun license, so I know that for a fact that I cannot carry a, I would not be able to put that Glock in my holster and carry it legally. See, that just, that makes no sense to me. That's, no, I mean, it makes completely no sense. No. But, you know, we say this every single year, you know, uh, you don't have to uh, understand the law, you just have to know the law. Right, but they make, again, uh, they make it so ambiguous that it could be interpreted, you know, 10 different ways at any given time that they wanted to. Now, that, that's the problem with the, the ATF is they're constantly redefining what they're, what they mean in their, you know, their, um, their opinions. Well, hopefully, with the new Boston town, New sheriff in town, boys. Y'all best get used to it. Maybe we'll see uh, a shift from that There's and a uh, maybe a reprioritization hmm. of, uh, of their efforts there. And maybe they can uh, speed up their times of getting those forms out instead of worrying about some crap on whether or not you're shouldering a pistol brace or not. Right. They just um, need to make SBRs. You know, no extra hoops to go through for the SBR. Same thing with the suppressors. You know, they, well, it's funny that you mention that because we were talking with the uh, the Israelis that were at the at the course, <laughs> yeah. and they 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 were just kind of like only in America, <laughs> only in America could such a stupid, ignorant rule possibly exist. That right. uh, it made no sense to them whatsoever. Just like it does to most of us. Yeah. So, and, and actually, if you look at, um, if you just take the AR-15, for instance, if we just talk about it for a second as an SBR, uh, one, it's not concealable, period. Like, there's just no way that an operational AR-15 can be concealed on your person. It's just not going to happen. Not a 16-inch. Uh, well, not a 16 not even a short, not even a shorty-shorty. Well, right? no, no they can be. If you'll go back to my video where I uh, was interviewing... Um, um, is it Ian with the uh, high threat concealment? Yeah, you know, Very you shy, say shy. that, but, but man, I tell you what, you can still tell the dude's got a, a rifle underneath of his shirt. Yeah, but if he right? had on a duster, you wouldn't be able to tell. And that's concealable. You know, so I, I mean, maybe but I, I understand what you're, some... understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, I mean, okay, look. It's not as concealable as a lot of people think it's going to be. <laughs> like it's just it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, now, if you look at the lethality of a rifle versus a short barrel rifle, you know, 
out of a 16-inch barrel, minimum legal length uh, AR-15, your round's cooking at about 3,000 feet per second. If you chop that barrel down to 7 inches, you're, you're shooting around 2,100, 2,000 feet per second, somewhere in there. You've cut your velocity into a third. And if you look at the energy equation, E equals MC squared, uh, E being energy, M being mass, and C being the velocity, uh, you'll notice that the C is squared. And the reason it's squared is because the velocity of the round has a exponential effect on the amount of energy that you transmit to target. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, when you cut velocity, you really cut power. So if you're talking about lethality, a short barrel rifle is much less lethal than a full-sized AR-15. But at the same time, it's still lethal. <laughs> oh, yeah. No no joke. It's still if you take, lethal. If you sit there at the same distance with those two rifles and shoot into ballistic gel, they're both going to do devastating damage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it make, gonna... it's stupid that they're trying to, you know, regulate uh, SBR over a, a rifle. Um, it's just, it's minuscule for what they're trying yeah. to accomplish. 100%. Yeah, it is. And the same thing with the suppressor argument. Most people that have fired a 5.56 suppressor, it's like, wow, why is this thing even regulated? You know, because they're loud. <laughs> right. And, and again, I mean, we've talked about this many times on the show is in, in other countries, it's, Sometimes it's a law that you have to have a suppressor. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's good for your ear health. It's good for noise pollution, uh, you know, not disturbing your neighbors. Uh, but our argument here in America is that, you know, somebody could use that to go and assassinate people and nobody would know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's almost like the gunshot's an alarm. You know, it sets off alarms or something, but uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. All right. So another th another aspect of that that we were talking about, Curtis, um, real quick, let's touch on that, was the serial number uh, when you SBR it also. Yeah, so there's a couple things that uh, as far as that is concerned. Now, guys, keep in mind that none of this is legal advice, right? I'm not an attorney. Disclaimer, we are not attorneys. We do not claim to be attorneys, and you should check with the local laws and rules and regulations in your area and state and check with an attorney. License. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. But um, basically, there are two sets of, of things that govern when you have to uh, – serialize or engrave your uh, your NFA firearm. Uh, if you're doing it as an individual, you don't have to immediately engrave anything unless you go to sell it. If you go to sell it as an individual, then uh, you have to have markings on it. Even if it has been deactivated or converted back to a commercial configuration, it is totally legal at any point in time, as a disclaimer, uh, it is totally legal at any point in time to back convert a short-barreled rifle to a legal length rifle at any point in time. Um, especially if you were talking about the transport stuff across state lines, you can totally take your short barrel off, throw your long barrel on and, you know, go to a, uh, you know, go to a different state. And as long as you leave the other components at home, you're fine. That is cool. You can sell it as that. However, if it has been deactivated, then you need to, and you plan to sell it, you still need to have it engraved 
because you, that information is on file at ATF. So if that person were to wind up uh, being picked up for a uh, for that serial number and are picked up by the the authorities and had that serial number in their possession, uh, it needs to denote that that was at one time a an NFA uh, regulated item. Right. Even if it was been back converted, you still have to if you go to sell that firearm. You have to re-serialize it. Yes, because you are the manufacturer. Right. Um, so that is that is one thing. Now, if you um, if you purchased it as a factory SBR, that's a different story. Um, you know, but it would already have that information on it. Yeah. If you, um, if, the, you if you bought it as a factory SBR, then there's no back anything to it because that's what it started out as, right? Yeah, that's you, it. Started out as a it, short barrel it would rifle. It always have to stay that way. Yeah. So there's a there's a gray area there, you know, for when you're selling it. The other time that you need to engrave your firearm is when we're talking about uh, transferring firearms to a trust. So when you've got a, a firearm on trust, which is the way I do everything for my NFA stuff, uh, I have my stuff on a trust, and it has the trust information engraved on the side of it, so that there can be no mistake that that is a an item that is uh, owned by the trust. And what that also allows uh, uh, to happen is the trustees of the trust are very easily able to gain access to those, to those items and use them for their purposes uh, without an ex- any other excessive regulation where you cannot do that with a, uh, with an item that is, you know, personally owned. And of course, that also applies to, you know, successor trustees and things like that. You know, if you were to pass away, it makes that transition of the property seamless as opposed to, uh, you know, property, property being held in ward and other things like that, uh, should you pass away. Very good. Uh, there's an article, uh, about this on the truthaboutguns.com. Uh, it's by Nick Leghorn. I don't know if that's his real name or not. January 29th, 2016. It says, do you need to engrave your Form 1 SBR? Uh, that's got some helpful information in it. Again, you know, I don't think this guy's an attorney either, so you always want to check with your local uh, laws and rules and regulations. Yes. Disclaimers, disclaimers, so, disclaimers. <laughs> yes, because, you know, not all states are the same, too, you know, because... Uh, you know, you have the federal regulations and then you have state regulations yeah. that you also need to look at. So there may be some things in your state that you need to check out. Can't they just leave us alone? God dang it. Well, again, hopefully with some new management in there, then, uh, right. Yeah. You know, some of this stuff will loosen up a little bit, but we won't get it done if we don't push. Very so good. the fight guys, I hate to put it this way. You know, we've been fighting for eight long years. I know we're all tired and, and wore out and we just want, kind of want to sit back and just kind of enjoy the fact that, you know, perhaps we won't have to, you know, fight for our rights. Can't uh, let you your know, guard down. Cannot. You can't let it down. The fight. Don't get comfortable. The fight uh, did not end on, on November uh, 8th. The, the, the fight was renewed. Yeah, so it was just, the, uh, it, actually it was just upped, you know. Yeah, we we shifted from defense to offense now, people, and we need to take some ground back uh, because you know they're going to come back around, right? And if we have ourselves in a better situation uh, when they come back around, perhaps we won't have to worry about things quite as 
quite as badly as we did uh, for the last eight years. That's right. And make sure you go out and get trained. Get your training. Never stop training. Yep. I went uh, I went to several courses this year. I think I attended eight courses this year. Dude, eight different you courses. Tore it up. Nice. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. Uh, learned a, an extreme amount. And, and, you know, I look at who I was and how my, uh, my brain worked around, you know, training and firearms and, and, uh, and, you know, conceptualized violent encounters and stuff like that, uh, and stress filled situations. And then I look at where I'm at now and it's just like, I don't even know that guy, you know? So the value of quality, quality training from reputable instructors is just, severely underrated in our industry and i highly highly suggest that you seek those people out and go visit them and if you guys need some uh tips or advice on who to seek for that training you can get in touch with curtis over on his facebook page at vso gun channel and of course you know you can always hit me up on our facebook page at talking lead or you can email me at talking lead at gmail.com and we will definitely steer you in the right direction somebody Somebody good quality trainer in your area. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, we're gonna we're getting ready to wrap this up. Uh, we actually went a lot longer than I was anticipating. <laughs> I was going to uh, cut in a uh, another Big Three East interview, but uh, uh, we filled the time here, Curtis. Good job. What can I say? I'm a I'm a loud mouth, long talker, long winded dude. <laughs> you know. I mean, we I, we could we could still be talking about the. Um, the CAA training course that we took, but we yeah. got to cut that short because we're going to be talking about it next week. But, uh, so the walking dead, and I know that you're not caught up on your episode, so we have to be vague on this, which is probably good. Cause a lot of the listeners probably aren't caught up on it either. Uh, but, uh, the season seven, which is what we're in right now, mid season finale, there's something in there that's related to this next, um, I guess it might be a fact to fight to myth, or it could be actually it could be fact. But it's something that Curtis and I are going to work on um, between now and you know the next few episodes. Um, be- hopefully, before the next uh, Talking Lead airs, or Talking Lead, the next Walking Dead airs. But uh, we're going to test the theory on, and I'm not going to say anything about the show, but. Whether a baseball bat can stand up to a nine millimeter round, and that's all I'm going to say about it. So, yeah, we're going to have to test this. We're going to, you know, I I've kind of, I kind of know what's going on because the internet sucks, right? Like <laughs> the, there's spoilers out there everywhere. It's like um, this is actually being filmed on the day that Rogue One, uh, the Star Wars movie, came out, and I already know like half of what the movie. You know, see, I'm the I'm the opposite. I if I see anything that remotely looks like it's going to talk about a movie that I've not seen yet, I will steer clear of it because I do not want to know. Yeah, I know. So, but you know, The Walking Dead has so much proliferated and uh, and inundated our culture uh, these days that uh, it was very very difficult uh, for me to not find certain things out. So as far as the baseball bat versus the nine millimeter thing is concerned, um, I'm somewhat on the fence on whether that would happen the way it did. Yeah. And uh, it definitely would have been uh, different on the receiving end. Uh, the, you know, 
it definitely would not have just stopped in the bat. Right. All right. Um, you know, there's and it's just a wooden no bat. Way. We're talking about a wooden bat here. It's not an aluminum bat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we'll be determining on is whether or not it goes through the bat, um, how far it launches the bat back, and whether or not it shatters the bat. Which, depending on what kind of ammo we're shooting, I'm gonna bet it's gonna shatter the bat. That's um, my guess. It's gonna shatter. And it's gonna go through. Yeah, one of the two. It's gonna get a um, lot of shrapnel from the bat and or the round. Yeah. So we're gonna be playing MythBusters a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you can probably expect to see Marty uh, over on the VSO Gun Channel, and the in you know hopefully in the you know the coming month or two. Absolutely. You know we can we can get something done. We're gonna get out in the frozen tundra. And we're going to test this for you, for you leadheads. Yep. And yep. I think be. we should probably, um, maybe for the the podcast that we do, get Larry involved since they provide the firearms for the Talking Lead. That would be uh, that would be cool. Yeah. You mean for the Walking Dead, not the Talking Lead? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, they stole it from me. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know that would be actually very very cool. I would really like to see Larry come in on that uh, on that episode. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. And maybe we can convince him to come up to the range too and do the uh, video. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Nah, man, flying. He's in Cali. He can bring the the actual gun, the actual prop gun that they use. That would be cool. That would be really cool, but <laughs> again, there's some logistical concerns. You don't want to get people's hopes up here. Oh, I know, I know, but maybe he's doing a film nearby. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's doing the John Wick films. He's done, uh, I think he I don't know. I mean, he's like all, Hateful Eight. He did, he's done like old movies, like real, he's been doing this for years and years and years, so he's the guy yeah. I'm going to get on the show uh, he's very interesting, and you guys are going to enjoy that. But uh, I know you've got uh, a date you got to get to, brother. You got to take the VSO Mud Girl out for some pizza. Yes. So it wasn't it, real quick on yeah. Larry. Wasn't he? Um, wasn't he in the IDF too? Yes. Yep. Larry yeah, he in. totally was in the IDF. So he was like, the, so when you real quick when you when you go to an instructor level course. Right, they'll try to they'll try to uh, you know mess with your head a little bit and give you some give you some uh, off the cuff things, you know. And here in America, they have to like whisper in the shadows. They were just totally like just talking in <laughs> Hebrew, like right in front of us, probably making fun of us. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we would have no idea what they were speaking. So no, they did um, that a they, lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they couldn't do that too much because Larry he was standing right there and he could hear everything that they were saying. Yeah, but, so but he's one of the brotherhood, so he ain't gonna say nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's you could see him them say something, and he'd sat. You could see him stand there and laughing, right? When they, you know, yeah. But that said, man, you're you're one hundred percent right. I need to get on the road. So uh, again, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much to the uh, the, to the talking lead audience for uh, putting up with my crap for as long as you have. Um, <laughs> you know, it's always good to be on here with you guys, and uh, you know. Uh, Maybe we'll see you over on our side uh, for some uh, for some good times. You guys, uh, make sure you go check out Curtis over at the VSO Gun Channel. Uh, he's on YouTube. He's on Full Thirty. Uh, probably want to go to Full Thirty. That's a better platform uh, to watch it. But uh, where would you prefer they go? Both. Um, I would. You know, I'm a very big advocate of Full Thirty. 
because uh, YouTube has made it very clear that they don't like us. Okay, they don't want us there. The they do community. things yeah. to um, to expressly discourage us from continuing to work in their space. And while it's really important that we maintain an audience there, um, you know, and you know, we do a lot on YouTube. The, pr- the platform has evolved quite a bit, and it's, it's very important that we not abandon that voice on YouTube. But that said, Full30 is a superior place. We want to continue to build that place. But it's, it's two-faceted. One, you need to support Full30 for what it is. It is the YouTube of guns, right? Yeah. That's very, very important. But then you also need to go over and subscribe to us on YouTube to stick it in the eye of the man. Stick it in the eye of the man. That's right. Now, uh, who is the um, contact over there? If people wanted to give comments and feedback about Full Thirty, they wanted to give their feedback about Full Thirty. Who's? Is there a, a link there that pe- that our leadheads can go to? Um, I'm not sure like actually on, on that. Um, but um, if a if a if if it's a question about like the or a, a comment about like the user interface or how to improve the platform, all you have to do is leave a comment on one of our videos, uh, and I am on a discussion forum uh, with the full thirty creators on on Facebook. It's a secret group. Okay. Um, and whenever I see something like that come across, I post it over there. Okay. So, so here's that what it you can do, Lindheads. You're going to go to VSO's um, channel on full thirty. And you're going to go there and you're going to say, we want talking lead on full 30. So, <laughs> go do that today. Do it now and do it in full force lead heads <laughs> because I want to be on full 30. <laughs> All it's right, Curtis, cool thank you for being on. And um, real quick, I want to thank our sponsors, Nordic Components. Check them out at nordiccomp.com. Uh, the 308s are still um, on their way. They're not out yet. But uh, you've seen some posts that we've done, uh, some some uh, some new products that they've got. So make sure you go check them out, nordiccomp.com. Use the Talking Lead discount code. Um, that's Leadhead. Cobalt Kinetics, cobaltkinetics.com. Uh, we talked about them last episode with Nick. They've got a lot of awesome things going on and coming up in the near future. Multicam, multicampattern.com. You guys saw my new Palladium. Uh, multicam boots that I got. I posted some pictures on social medias of those. Uh, very comfortable, and they've got all kinds of different colors there at uh, Palladium uh, to get your multicam boots. Uh, Glock, the official carry of left hand at Talking Lead. Yep, that's me. And I'm rocking the Glock 23, the 27 as my personal carry. Uh, but then, of course, I uh, like shooting all of their models. 19 is awesome. Is that what you have, the 19? I I have a 17, a 19, and a 26. There you go. There you go. I do the I run the whole spectrum because uh, you never know when you need to upgrade firepower. That's right. Frontier Tactical. Check them out at FrontierTactical.com. Uh, they have a new spokesperson, uh, which hopefully we're going to be getting on the show here very soon. Gary O'Neill, former Special Forces. So he's got a he's got a book out. It's called The American Warrior. It's the true story of legendary ranger Gary O'Neill. So uh, hopefully we're going to have him on soon. I am in the process of reading that book, and so far it is very very intriguing book. Um, it's a really good book. 
Keltec, KeltecWeapons.com. I'm going to try to get Chad on. He's had uh, a lot of travels here lately, so we need to get caught up with Chad and see what the latest and greatest is with him, and maybe he'll give us some uh, insight onto what's going on for the shot. But we'll definitely have him on at SHOT Show if we don't get him before then. Modern Spartan Systems. For all your lube and gun cleaning needs, check out ModernSpartanSystems.com. X-Steel Targets. The best, most affordable AR-500 steel targets on the market. Check them out at xsteeltargets.com, and they can even custom make you some AR steel targets. X Steel Targets. Oh, another big sponsor of the event that Curtis and I went to, which is also a member of VFOB, which Talking Lead is a member of, uh, Triumph Systems. Uh, they provided a lot of the targets that we were shooting at this week with the pop packs, the threat down targets, and the pivotal targets which uh they had some set up in the the shoot house so make sure you guys go check them out support them veteran-owned company uh, triumphsystems.com mission 22 uh is there something you want to mention about what you got coming up mission 22 curtis uh yeah so uh this week we're going to be dropping a uh a it's not a raffle it's not a giveaway or anything but we're going to be announcing that uh with mission 22 we're going to be uh, handing out a uh, a product to one of our patreons on pa- patrons on Patreon, and fifty uh, percent of the proceeds of that of that whole thing are going to go to Mission Twenty Two uh, to help support their initiative to curb the suicide rate in veterans. Eliminate. We're working to eliminate that. 22 veterans a day on average commit suicide, and that is unacceptable. And their mission is to bring awareness to the public that this is a problem that needs to be addressed and dealt with. Um, you know, We don't need to leave it in the hands of the government. This is something that we as a society can take charge of and, and help these men and women that have dedicated their lives to protecting our lives. Um, Mission22.com. And then make sure you go to Curtis's Patreon uh, account. Where's that at? Where can they go for that? Well, we're, we'll be dropping a video on it uh, on Tuesday. Okay. And uh, and they'll be able to uh, be able to see that uh, that video. December and the twentieth. Have all the right? details. Tuesday, December the twentieth. Yeah, Tuesday the twentieth. Okay. They'll be able to go to the VSO Gun Channel. It'll be the the video released on Tuesday uh, on either the our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, or on uh, Full 30. You'll be able to go to all three of those sites. It'll be on the top. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, the product we're going to be giving away as well as uh, information on how you can help Mission 22. There you go. And then Sheepdog Impact Assistance, sheepdogia.org. Go there and uh, check out uh, what all they have that you can do to help fund their missions across our nation in disaster recovery. Uh, they travel all over the nation when there's uh, disasters like we just recently had here in Tennessee, the uh, Gatlinburg or uh, East Tennessee wildfires, uh, the floods that have been rampant here in several of our, our, our states and cities. Uh, they form teams from former military law enforcement, fire department uh, personnel, EMTs, EMS services, and they get the people with those skills and keep them active, which is one of the 
you know, the things that help PTS. Yeah. Is you got to keep those guys active. You know, they've got that instinct to serve and protect. And once they retire, a lot of them just, you know, kind of sit on the porch and wither away. This is a great way to, you know, get them out, keep them active, and uh, serving and protecting. So, sheepdogia.org. Check them out. And uh, Curtis, again, thank you so much for being on. You guys check them out at VSO Gun Channel. They got a lot of great things going on there. As always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, we'll probably take a few weeks off um, from our normally scheduled programs, but I will be dropping, hopefully, uh, the remainder of our Big Three East shows. So stay tuned. <laughs>